Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. We have a big show today. We're going to have an interview with the technical director for the Austin FC Academy, Dr. Juan Delgado. Uh, we're also going to talk about Austin FC's first ever designated player signing, who is uh, Cecilio Dominguez. My name is Landon Cottom. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And I want to start this conversation by talking about uh, our little chat with Matthew McConaughey last week. So what like, what did you think about that? Was that what you <laughs> expected it to be? It was when, when McCona- he showed up with no shirt on and a beanie, like that was, it was McConaughey. Yeah, McConaughey tastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's for for those of who for those of you who haven't heard about this somehow, uh, we Matthew McConaughey hosted a kind of a a Q and A meet and greet for members of uh, of Austin Anthem and of Los Verdes, and so we we log in. And everyone's on group chats, like we're in the waiting room, like, oh, what's, are, are y'all in yet? Oh, I'm not in either. Okay, cool. It's just starting late. And a few minutes late, it starts up, McConaughey pops up wearing Austin FC beanie, no shirt. Uh, and we couldn't see below that. We don't know if he was wearing anything else <laughs> at all, but the only thing we could see was an Austin FC beanie. So uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have expected or hoped for anything else. So I, I was pretty pleased with that part of it. <laughs> Yeah, when I started the commentary on it, somebody asked me, you know, was I was I surprised or disappointed? I'm like, no, this is great. This is everything I <laughs> hoped it would be. And you know, my, I'm, I think we talked about this. My wife's not a huge soccer fan, but she she was in rapt attention for that entire hour uh, of Q and A for some reason, and it was just, yeah, he was he was everything you wanted him to be, and it was really the focus was on. Um, as the minister of culture, you know, what the game day, what he thought the game day experience would be like. And, um, you know, it was kind of a question and answer. And it was kind of like a, 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 um, you know, just a rambling scream of consciousness discussion, but it was good. I mean, it was fun. I mean, I, I never thought when we started this, what we're doing, you know, when we started this like journey to Austin FC that I'd be on the phone with, to, on a video with 200 people in McConaughey just listening to him <laughs> riff on everything about fan culture, right? Yeah, it was... Um, yeah, I, I I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I used to just like... I like. Of course, I knew who Matthew McConaughey was, but I didn't think that much of him or about him. I just like, oh, this goofy actor or whatever. But well, I think one thing you learn about him in these moments where you get to hear him speak for longer periods of time is he's not he's not a stupid person. He's You can tell he's like a pretty sharp person. He's maybe a little bit of a crazy person, but he's he's pretty intelligent and like he knows how to put on a show. And so you can tell in, in his answers to some of the fans' questions that he may not know he may not be the most um, knowledgeable person about soccer specifically. He knows enough about it to to talk about it a little bit. But as far as just like creating creating an experience and creating a spectacle, he's very well versed in that. And like there are several moments where he, yeah, just kind of talking about his vision for for what he wants it to be like. It was it was pretty impressive to just listen to him talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you hit on a really good point on that too, because the um, we because we all we prepared, we submitted questions in advance, and I thought, um, like with a lot of these, you know, you kind of go in with this preloaded set of questions, and they 
stretch that time out as much as possible to like not actually take live questions. This this is my secret. I'm telling you about most panels. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but he. I mean, they shut it down early, and he took a lot of live questions from members of the audience and did a really good job of of having a relatively informed, you know, and ready answer on things that some of them were about. Um, you know, culture and being inclusive and sort of like the game day environment. And I thought from that part of it, I thought he was really good about, about really being thoughtful and, and understanding beyond the show, like the really, like the Austin overall vibe that, that he wanted to help create. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, another thing we were, we were kind of talking about off air was how uh, James Ruth, the, the marketing director for Austin FC would kind of, I think you said trans translate his McConaugheyisms into English, uh, whenever he felt like he needed to, because McConaughey would like trying to express this big idea and maybe didn't know the terminology that you would use for it in a soccer environment and, or maybe just from like conversations they had had before. And James would come in and say, I think what he's trying to say is this and like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> For sure, for sure. He reeled it back in whenever, you know, whenever the time called for it. And I really appreciated that. But overall, I thought it was a it was a really good experience. Um and it happened to be nothing else, just just a lot of fun, right? Like yeah, we didn't we didn't learn a lot. We didn't uh like I don't think necessarily like like nothing big came out of that thing it came out of that call from me saying like oh i have a really good idea of uh how the team's gonna play or like what this this franchise is gonna be like but it's really freaking cool to to just be on a zoom call with matthew mcconaughey for an hour so if yeah if nothing else it was a lot of fun and, and a cool thing for for him and the club to organize yeah and everybody there was a ton of like all the instagram all the twitter all the like it built the excitement which i guess ultimately that's really all we're trying to do right is get people fired up about play in 2021 yeah speaking of uh excitement uh austin fc is sold out of all of their general tickets so i i think it would be an understatement to say that the fans aren't excited about this team so there's uh, from from what we're hearing, there are still supporter section tickets left. Do we, Jeremiah? Do we have an idea of how many there are, or like how soon those are expecting to sell out? So we, I have not heard anything about that. I don't, I don't think we're there. But one thing I did notice today is, um, this makes sense. But you, you don't, you when you deposit, you can make a fifty dollar deposit, right? Because that's all you can do because the premium seats are gone, and there's no like supporters or general option anymore because general's gone so i think now if you just go make a deposit um it's just effectively like you're going to be in supporters you're going to be on the waiting list so i would think that you know given that and given that they're at uh, andy talked to chris bills which he talked about on the uh which he put in his um soccer notebook right before they announced the sellout um saying that they had like 44 45,000 deposits down so i would think that the supporters are going to go really quickly from here on out when they I think they want to go through and call people and make sure that if they have a general deposit down, that they understand that being in supporters means standing and yelling and chanting all game and all that kind of stuff. But I believe that they'll be able to, to sell the rest of those out just from, just from that group of people who didn't get in general, but are really interested in the supporters experience. Yeah. And like you said, not everyone who was interested in, in um, having an actual seat is going to want to have the supporters section experience. So yeah, it might take a little bit to actually call through those people, but 
just judging by how fast the rest of the tickets went, I don't think it's going to be an issue for, of them actually selling those out. So uh, last, no, this morning, geez, this is, uh, this is Monday we're recording this on. Um, we got an email at like 8 something a.m. saying that um, Austin FC signed its first designated player, which this rumor had been around for what like at least two weeks now right right at least because we talked we were going to talk about it on the last when we interviewed chris we were going to talk about that's the right rumor, and then in the interview went long enough we didn't talk about it but yeah it's been um sorted out i think we've discussed it among ourselves you know a lot of it came to it seemed like on the um on the south american side that it was all done and then austin fc was just kind of trying to figure out the final details of the contract and then the the loan agreement and, and things like that. But, you know, they all worked it out. We got that. And then we got about what, 14 minutes before a press conference started, we got an invitation to the virtual press conference also this yeah. morning. So that was yeah, good to be able to do. I uh, didn't have time to prepare for. So it was like at work, half listening, half trying to do my job. So uh, I, I definitely had to go back and read Troy's notes from cap on the capital city soccer Twitter account and also Chris Bills's thread on it to to kind of go back and fill in the the fuzzy spots from when I was trying to respond to an email or do something else during that. But um, yeah, let's let's just kind of go through the details of of who this signing is. So Cecilio Cecilio Dominguez, he is a 26 year old Paraguayan uh, left winger. He's coming from Independiente in Argentina, but before then played at uh, Club America in Mexico, which is a huge club, and then played for a couple of uh, Paraguayan teams before then. So the it's, it's reported to be a four-year contract, and the transfer fee, who knows? We've seen it reported as... Initially, it seemed like it was going to be $6 million, then I've seen lower than $4 million in other places, on transfer marked, it's listed as four point four million. Who knows where they get their numbers? But it's um, it was enough money, and what his his salary is going to be was enough to put it over the DP threshold. So he's gonna he will definitely be a, a designated player. Um, uh, Claudio Reyna in the press conference today confirmed that that Cecilio turned down an offer from Boca Juniors to take this this um austin deal so who knows what the the difference in money was like there but but turning down going to a legendary club like boca juniors is is kind of a big deal so that's exciting um between now and and when he comes to austin uh claudio confirmed that he will go on loan to a team in paraguay um but he he, he, we don't know who that's going to be yet. The latest rumors we heard, it was going to be Club Guarani, which is where Rodney Redis is playing right now. So uh, I'm I'm kind of hoping that happens so we can see the two of them playing on the same team for, for the next several months uh, and have them develop a bit of a rapport. And, and also just like on a personal level, so they can kind of develop more of a relationship before they move to a foreign country together. And at least they'll have... Uh, somewhat of a friend in town whenever they come here. Yeah. Um, it, the, on the loan deal, I know Chris uh, Bills asked during the press conference, like the specifics on it. Cause he was um, not Claudio wasn't really specific about it. And he did Claudio did say we should have news by the end of the week. So hopefully a few days from now, we'll know what that is. And 
also on the contract too, this is something you pointed out earlier. Like Claudio is really good about giving answers without really giving an answer. Um, <laughs> On on all those things, he did the same thing. He did the same thing with Reddit too, right? He's like, I'm not here to talk about numbers. Oh, so. with almost everything, he's very good at giving very vague answers when he doesn't want to give details. And we just eat it up, right? Because we're so excited <laughs> about the fact. You're like, yes, Claudio, you're right. You're great. We're we're just we're just glad to have it. One of the yes. things I noticed this morning was um, just the way they announced it, but and I think the difference was really striking between the the hype for the Redis uh, announcement and and what they did so um with Dominguez they they had a video they had a video in both English and Spanish um that they put out from the club you know initially when they when they made the announcement and then he did a he did a little Instagram video I guess maybe it was everywhere or maybe it was on Twitter too but yeah it was on Twitter as well yeah to have to have him talk about Austin and his excitement about Austin and that was a point that Claudio really drove home um in the press conference um, which is also something that we'll hear about when we when we interview the when we play the Juan Delgado interview about how how excited people are about being involved with Austin and about being involved with this club and about helping build it up. And I think maybe that was one of the things that helped sway him away from Boca Juniors is the chance to to move to this city and really being involved in building this thing up from scratch. Yeah, yeah. He um Reina mentioned that yeah, like Cecilio is like very up, like he he he's knowledgeable about MLS and has been paying attention and like the like expansion culture and yeah it, se- it seems like he is excited to to start something from the ground and kind of be a big part of that so it's exciting it's exciting that he wants to be here it's not just a a payday for him he's, he's it's something that he wants to be a part of yes yeah, so let me ask you because you watch more video than I do so what can you talk a little bit about what kind of player he is yeah so I haven't watched as much video as I would have wanted to. And I will also admit that like I'm watching it, it's not like YouTube highlight reels, but it is still like I haven't watched an entire game of his yet. It's it's been clips of like individual actions by by him as a player. So um I mostly I've watched the good ones, right? They don't make highlight reels of of his bad plays. But he is uh a, a right footed player but plays on the left wing. Um he's Kind of like when I talked about Rodney Redis on the show, Rodney likes to move. He's not going to be that winger that just gets to the end line and crosses a ball in. He likes to move inside, combine with other players. Um, Dominguez is uh, similar in that way that he's not necessarily just going to stay out wide on the wing, but they are quite different players in in a lot of other ways. So I think uh, Dominguez is, is more classy on the ball and in front of goal than Redis is. Um, he's, uh, there's a, a lot of his goals that he scored. He would either, um, like there, there's a lot of times where he'd run in behind and play a long ball and make, make a good move and score. But a lot of them are, he'll receive the ball on the edge of the box or like just outside the box. And he'll do that move where he'll go, he'll like go direct at the defender and then kind of cut inside and do a shot fake and then touch the ball and do a shot fake. And like three or four guys will kind of jump around him before he takes a shot and like curls it into the far post. So the, the goals that he does score tend to be pretty impressive um, and a, a lot of fun to watch. So he maybe doesn't necessarily score as often or as consistently as his two previous clubs would have wanted him to, but the goals he scores are usually nice to watch. Um, He's also really good 
his movement off the ball is really good, like in the box and then also just kind of knowing when to kind of stay on that backside and when to come inside and, and make himself available. But um seems like a really smart player. He's also like he's not he's not a small guy. He's he he's listed as five ten, like a, a substantially sized person. So he's some of his goals that he scored were uh headers, just making really smart moves inside the box and making really smart runs and being in the right place at the right time. And so some of those goals that like it just looks like, oh, the ball just fell on his head. But if you go back and watch the movement he made to get into that position, you see that it's actually a really smart thing that he did to get there. But um, he's an aggressive player when he when he has the ball. Um, and yeah, I, I he likes to shoot a lot. Uh, I one of the the like reels I put together was his goals. And then I went back and just watched his shots and. Uh, he takes a lot of shots. He, he likes to shoot the ball and wants to shoot the ball. So maybe that's, I don't know this for a fact, maybe that's one of the things is his previous couple of clubs didn't like so much about him, but, um, he wants to score goals. He wants to get in the box and and get on the ball. So, um, I, I think at his best, he could be a really, really great player to watch. Yeah. And then Claudio talked about his versatility too. And he talked about how they were going to build all that, like into the, into the club as a whole. They, cause I believe you mentioned that, um, on how he would do with red ass, but it's like, he's a winger, but he can also be a forward. And yeah, I guess he, ultimately it depends upon how they decide to like construct the roster on, on, on where he's going to slot in. And maybe he'll be, maybe he'll be a different, fr- you know, different from like match to match on, on where he goes. Yeah. Reyna mentioned that he could be used as a, as a second striker, which given his, the skills that I've seen in, in what little video I've watched, I, I think he would be a decent fit there. I think his, his strongest spot is going to be, um, on that wing kind of cutting in on his, on his right foot there. But, uh, there's a lot of, especially at, at America, a lot of the times like on in transition moments, he would move to the center of the field and sometimes get the ball 40 or 50 yards out and take it all the way to goal and score. And so he's, he's capable of a lot of different types of goals and I think could play in different parts of the pitch and, and be useful. So I, I think it should be a priority to put him on that left wing, but in, in certain instances, or if we bring in certain player that, that he's going to combine with in a different spot, I think he's more than capable of playing in different places. Yeah, and you bring up America. I mean, America's where he had both his greatest success and I think his most attention from the average fan. And, you know, I probably like, I'm assuming you did the same thing. I read like Twitter and Reddit and Instagram and everywhere all day. And there were widely differing opinions about whether it was a good signing or not. Um, but I mean, he had, he had a good run of success there, right? Especially, you know, a little, you know, I mean, it was, he, he was successful for, for a while and, and made a difference. Um, but he's there's up and down, right? I mean, with anybody that's you're gonna pay pay this much, you know, this amount for and sign now. So let's talk a little bit about his his cons now. Yeah, I, I think you hit the the main one from what I can tell is just inconsistency. I think his um when he's on, he's he's really really good. But if, ju- just judging by his numbers and what other fans have to say about him, he seems to, maybe he he will disappear at times and and not always be producing like you would want him to on a consistent level. Uh, Roberto Rojas uh, on Twitter said, had a list of cons and the things he listed was that maybe he won't always put in um, the defensive effort that, that a team would want. And also maybe he has a bit of an attitude. And so he has a tendency to pick up cards, which 
Uh, I I saw in some of his uh, his goal celebrations that I saw, I I could see that a little bit, so that didn't surprise me very much. But um, that that could also be a good thing, right? Like you, you've you've heard me talk about. I, I want a couple of players on the team to have a little bit of fight in them. So as long as he keeps it under control, I'm okay with that part of it. Yeah, there's not there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's not unnecessary, right? And it doesn't it doesn't take away from the team. And you know, I mean, hopefully, I think which we've talked about and a lot of people have talked about. And I think even, you know, um, Claudio, when he talked about sort of his struggles in Argentina and, you know, where he was and just admitted it, that he's, that there's the opportunity for growth and that he's committed to growth and he's committed to, you know, he might be committed to being a leader in the team. And so, you know, maybe this um, change of pace and change of environment is is the right thing for him. And maybe, maybe it will lead to, like him finally leading up to this potential that everybody has, has seemed to see. And certainly he's like a super talented and, and wanted player. And so um, this hopefully Austin is a perfect situation for him to do that in, in whatever role that that's the best for the club. And I guess it's what we don't know is like what that role is going to be. Cause I think as we talked, as we talked about earlier, like we have two players. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned the, like the role and the responsibility that he's going to have and kind of how Wolf and, and Raina were talking about it in the press conference is the way they were talking about it made me think a little bit about um, Bob Bradley and, and Carlos Vela. Whenever Vela went to LA, Bradley told him like, I want you to be my star. Like you need to step up and be the leader of this team on and off the field. And if like, if you don't do that, this isn't going to work. And Vela stepped up to that challenge and he's, he's clearly super talented and is more talented than, than Dominguez is, but it, it kind of seems like that, that kind of scenario where Reyna recognizes that, um, in talking to, to Dominguez that like, they both recognize that, okay, that wasn't a great fit for me, but I like, I know why, and I, I know what I need to do to, to make this next move a success and, and, said that he he handled that with maturity, like the way that, that Dominguez was talking about it. He was very mature about the whole experience. And so it doesn't sound like he's making excuses for any of it or saying like, oh, it was their fault or whatever. He, he's, he knows what went wrong and, and is excited about this next step and, and is confident that, that he can do, do something better here. So would you... Thumbs up, thumbs down. Do you consider this a good signing? I don't, I, I mean, I think I think it depends on so much. Like like you said, we have two players, and that's that's one thing I would I would say to a lot of people I've seen on on Twitter today who are like re- overreacting and saying like this is a terrible signing, and it's like it's all about context, right? Like if you'd have gone back five years and told any MLS team, any MLS team that they're going to sign a player who's 26 years old. He's played for Club America and Independiente in Argentina, and he's going to come to your team as a designated player. Any team in MLS would have bit your hand off for that one. And it shows how much the league has changed, right? But also, like, yeah, he he's not the super huge name, but, like, neither was, uh, like, Joseph Martinez wasn't a big name when he came to this league. And so I, I'm not saying that that Dominguez is going to be a superstar for us. I don't know that, but like, we're all just guessing, like we don't know. And so, and it's also two players. And so I think the the big telling factor is in however many months from now, when we have a mostly fleshed out roster, 
if Cecilio Dominguez is still the biggest, like the highest profile player that we've signed, I would say then it's a little bit disappointing. But if he's like the number two or number three DP on the team and there's like one or two bigger stars and then a decent uh, a decent cast behind him, I'm happy with it. And like like I said, I he's a, a clearly a very talented person. And if he puts it all together, I think he could be a really, really good player in this league. But he's never done that consistently in the past. And so that's where what brings in the doubt. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think the answer is it depends. <laughs> yeah, I, there's so many people willing to, to jump to the ending. Um, it, one of the things we've heard a lot about is just this idea of the culture and contri- contribu- contributing to it and people wanting to be here. Um, and that's, I think, one of the things that's a lot different from MLS signings from four or five years ago where you would like sign a celebrity to sell tickets and they would come in and they weren't committed and they weren't trying to win and they were, they weren't trying to do whatever. And that's, I feel like this is where it's different. Like I feel like Claudio and Josh and the combination together are building this collective of players that really want to be in Austin, that want to mesh together and want to be, you know, want to be part of something bigger and want to be part of the culture. And I think that's where maybe they will be able to get the talent out of him that, that, everybody has seen but hasn't been realized like on a consistent basis uh before at any other clubs and so that i think that that's a really good i would prefer that over somebody that's just like a giant name that maybe is committed to what we're going to do or or maybe isn't but really isn't going to make austin fc greater overall yeah so um so now that we've signed him we can move on to the next rumor uh, which there already are some. So right. on, on the next show, we can talk a little bit more about that. But it's it's kind of fun to... I, I imagine it'll get exhausting at some point. But right now, it's still fun. I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to the, like the, the... We'll have to figure out how the draft, the super draft... Wait, the expansion draft works at some point. And then I don't even know how we fill in the rest of the roster. Just like people that show up. I, I, I'm not really sure. I think as long as we're doing DPs and like international signings, it's going to be exciting. Uh, but yeah, then, when it when it gets to yeah expansion draft and like signing free agent players from other MLS teams, like some of those will be exciting. There's been some really great players come from other teams in in moves like that, but a lot of them are going to be yeah just like space fillers. That yeah, who that, was it? Uh, was it was it Atlanta that had like the guy from the Charleston Battery that was the goalkeeper that was like their first player? Remember we did, oh we did yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that when we get to that that will not be that exciting. <laughs> um. So you mentioned uh, a little bit about the the culture of of the club, and so we're going to talk a little bit more about that in our interview with with Juan Delgado. And this it's probably one of my favorite parts of that interview. But uh, part of that culture is going to be the the facilities, and so um, the St. David's Performance Center has been uh, it's under construction. It's on track for a spring opening. It's going to uh, how's the academy teams as well as the first team. And we'll talk a bit more about that in the, um, in the interview with Juan Delgado, but, uh, I'm, I'm really excited for people to hear this interview, Jeremiah. What do you think about it? Yeah, I think he was, he was really, um, he was engaging and clearly, clearly he's committed to it. And clearly he's way smarter about soccer than either of us are. Like I definitely got that out of it. Um, but he's got a good story, like he's got a good personal story about his path to soccer um, and what he's, what he's helped create. And then also um, 
his sort of commitment to Austin. So I think it, it's, I look forward to everybody hearing that. And then I look forward to discussing that with, you know, with everybody online afterwards. Yeah. So hopefully you guys can hear that, but I, I really think that, um, yeah, I bring up the word culture again, but the culture around the youth team and, and the exciting things that, that are happening there and how much attention and resources that the, the Academy is, is, and will continue to get from, from people like Claudio Reyna and Josh Wolf, um, is, is really encouraging on, on that, that standpoint. So, uh, we'll, we'll stop talking about it and just go to it, but, uh, let's, let's cut to that interview with Juan Delgado. We wanted to take a minute to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd also like to encourage you to visit CapitalCitySoccer.com where Troy Bryant and Zach Mason bring you the latest in Austin FC news, including player rumors, sponsorship updates, ticket updates, and more. We are very excited to introduce you to our guest for today. It is the technical director for the Austin FC Academy, Dr. Juan Delgado. Juan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Landon. Thank you, Jeremiah. It's an honor for me to be with you today. Thank you. So I, I think I want to start off just by uh, kind of giving a brief overview of your your resume because it's it's very impressive uh, looking back at, at the work you've done over the last 20 years. So you started off uh, at Villarreal as a director of coaching and a coach. Uh, you're there from 99 to 2006. Um, and you apparently kind of helped build that academy from, from scratch, then moved on to Valencia. You were the academy te technical director there for a couple of years before moving to the Aspire Academy in Qatar, where you, where you were for about 12 years. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a super impressive resume. And so we're, we're very happy to have you here, here in Austin now. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I've been, I've been very lucky to be honest, to be what I feel to be at the right place at the right time, you know, and that's what I'm feeling right now here. So very humbly uh, speaking, very, very fortunate to, to have a, an impact within the, within the new project. Yeah, of course. So um, Valencia and Villarreal. So I, I studied abroad in uh, Barcelona when I was in college and then I went back to Spain and, and lived in San Sebastián for a few years and so Spanish soccer really was kind of my my first soccer love. Like that's what got me into the game. And so whenever I saw that you you uh, were involved with the youth setups at Villarreal and Valencia, I knew that those were highly regarded youth systems. So uh, tell our listeners who some of the players are that that have come through systems that you worked in. Yeah, I was, as I say, very very fortunate to to see. Uh, actually, the development and somehow impacted, sometimes not directly, but through through the coaches. Uh, some of the names that uh, I, I was fortunate to see when they were youngster was, for instance, uh, Santi Cazorla at Villarreal. Uh, in Valencia, the, the names were actually bigger right now because we have at the time Silva, uh, we have Juan Mata for a while, uh, Isco Alarcón was, was in the system when I was there. Uh, and yeah, most recently, some of the first team uh, and national team. Gaia was a kid that I, I remember the, the day we scouted him, you know, from a very little, small village. And he was actually a striker and he ended up now being the left back for the national team. 
So that's a that's a nice story to be told, you know. And uh, Carlos Soler, I remember now he's he's also consistently making it to to Valencia first team. Uh, we used to play him two years up, and uh, we was very tiny. But I always I used to say he was he was the biggest one on the pitch, you know. <laughs> so yeah, and very lucky, very lucky to to have been there and and uh, to see how they look like, you know, when when they are. 14, 13, 15, 17 year old. So you can you can compare later on what with with the talent we have right now here. So that's that's something I as I said I feel fortunate to to have been part of. How, how about your own background? What what uh, what did you? How did you become a coach? What what was your upbringing and where did you play? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I used to play for the youth systems first, and my hometown is, in, is a very is a very little town next to Villarreal, and I played for them for a while in the U19. Got injured badly on my knee. Uh, three surgeries later, I I decide to stop. Uh, I, I I wouldn't make it pro, to be honest with you. I knew that too. So, but since soccer was my life, I, I was committed and I found somehow my call, you know, of how can I could provide value to, to the world. And, and I tried to educate myself as much as possible. So I knew that not being a, a former pro, you know, I, 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 the only way I could add value would be uh, trying to, to learn, you know, and trying to to position myself as an expert on the youth development area. So that's why I, push, I, I, I try, as I said, you know, I study sports science. I study sports psychology, my master's degree as well. I did my my PhD on, on football or soccer in this case. So, yeah, that's that's a little bit a summary of, of myself, so not being good enough, having an injury, <laughs> and uh, and finally, finally finding the excuse to say, okay, let's study and prepare myself, so I might be able to make my life doing what I love to do. You know. So, uh, going back to your specific role here at Austin FC, can you tell us um, what are the specific responsibilities of? of your role and how do those differ from from say what Tyson is going to be doing yeah i report to tyson so he's the general manager uh, and he oversees the entire operation of the academy so i i basically try to help him from from a technical perspective so uh, in this sense my main my main role is re- what related to the training methods and the coach's education, I would just to summarize it, but of course trying to impact the, the entire strategy. So trying to bring some of the, my experiences back in Spain and in, in Qatar, you know, that, uh, as I say, humbly speaking, were quite successful. So trying to to support Tyson on, on the technical aspect of, of the game so, or, or the player development, I would say. And in this case, one of the key aspects and what I feel, you know, we are, we are quite unique is the support we have him uh, from from the top, you know, from Claudio as a sporting director and and, and from Jos as well, you know, they've been very supportive from day one. They share their knowledge, 
uh, Josh has been on top, you know, sharing the the model, the, the style of play they want to apply, the language they want to use with, with players. So this is something I have never seen in this, happening that that closer. Uh, I had relationship with, with first team or first team managers back in 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 Spain and in Qatar, but but not as close as here, you know, not as open. And you know, it's been a a very good experience so far. And 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 again, this is this is going to make the difference. And there are plenty of studies out there that uh, have proven that the the main factor to produce uh, uh, soccer players in a youth system is is the support from from first team. So you 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 could be you could have the best system in the world that if these kids don't have they are not given the chance to play they will never make it so uh, in this in this particular sense I think we are in a very well position in a very good position to to be unique yeah that that's something that stood out to me whenever uh, whenever Claudio was hired I started doing some research into his time at uh, NYCFC and listening to some interviews and doing some reading about who he is. I knew who he was as a player, but I was looking into who he was as a sporting director. And what really stood out to me is his how much of a passion he has for youth development and trying to bring up these these young players. So, yeah, I, I imagine that's something that, that you're pretty pleased with. Um, totally. So what all... Can, can you give us an idea of how you'll be interacting with Claudio and with, with Josh and kind of that bridge to the first team. What were you, what will your role be in that as far as like the, that connection from the youth, youth development pipeline into the first team? Yeah. Well, the, the first, the first connection is Tyson as a general manager. We have uh, weekly meetings with, with them both and with Josh, the relationship is even closer on a, I would say almost on a daily basis, you know, because he comes to training, you know, and uh, he sees what we are doing. He provides feedback to us. And uh, and basically, as I said, the, the idea is uh, to emulate and to, and to organize the training process or the development process according to what the first team aimed to be or to become. Of course, there are differences because first team main goal is to win games, you know, uh, whether our, our main goal is to teach the game for one day, uh, prepare these players to win games. So in this sense, we, we have, we have, I would say, less impact from the next opponent when we're planning things. So we can be more pedagogical, we can have cycles, we can, you know, review, and it's a more medium-long-term thing. Uh, whether when you are in a, f- in a first team setup, you you know that the next game is impacting your planning, your weekly your weekly plan is is affected by what you're gonna face next next Saturday or next Sunday. So that that might be basically the the difference and the and the and the way we are working together. Yeah, and I, I did want to ask a little about the, the about the day to day. So what does that look like? Like how? How many days a week are you with the players, and you know what? What does a day of training training look like? Because I imagine it's very, very different than than like what would you do with you would do with the first team squad, like you mentioned. Yeah, the main the main 
the main difference is we don't have the boys with us the entire day, which, you know, uh, actually this is the, the biggest constraint, but we do have them normally four times a week for uh, two hours. So two to two hours and 15 minutes is the window we have. Uh, normally we de dedicate one hour and a half for practice, but the other half an hour is for mentoring purposes. So we we have individual interviews with them. We review the individual goals. We do have what we call it the classroom, where we show them concepts on the screen, uh, discuss uh, different aspects of the game, all other topics that nutrition, uh, uh, mindset um, tools that they might utilize, you know, in in a in a in a high performance environment later on. So, so that's that's basically what we do: two hours a day, let's say, four times during the week, from Monday to Thursday. We give them Friday off, let to let them be uh, young youngsters, <laughs> you know, and enjoy, and give family a break too. And then we normally play on Saturdays. And occasionally we're going to play Saturdays and Sundays as well. So, so that would be basically a normal, normal time timetable for the, for the players. So can you give us, um, give us a little bit of an overview of what the academy looks like now? We had Tyson Wall on the show on our, our last podcast probably like a year, a year and a half ago. And a lot's changed since then. So uh, can you just kind of give us the an overview of what the academy actually looks like right now? Yeah, it has been a big evolution, you know. Tyson started on a solo, I would say, mode, you know, together with, with Junro, with the, the, the coach uh, that we have right now at the U13. They started with the U14 last year. Uh, and we have grown now uh, to have... 11, 11 full-time employers in the in the academy, 11 coaches and trainers and SNCs and and also we have three more uh, interns working with us. So things have escalated and and yeah, it's, it's 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 very nice to be honest because we've been able to to gather a very diverse group of coaches I believe we have seven nationalities if I'm not mistaken oh, wow. yeah uh, we have Colombians Venezuelans Spanish Japanese uh, who do I miss I miss Mexicans of course so it's a, it's a very very diverse and very interesting group you know with with uh, different skills uh, different backgrounds and I, I'm very optimistic that we have former very healthy, knowledgeable, and and uh, strong team. So that that was one of our main concerns, to be honest. And when I I've been discussing for more than a year with Tyson from when I was when I before to come here, and we both agree that human capital and hiring the right people it was the the key aspect of the entire project. You know, so we we have taken a lot of time. And I, I'm very glad. I'm very glad with, with the team we have been able to form. So uh, you mentioned human capital, and it reminded me, in preparing for this, I found some. Uh, I found this interview that you and Tyson did. It was like a presentation type thing that you were doing. And you mentioned the, the human capital aspect and how pleased you were 
that Austin FC is really um, is really investing in that right now. And you, I, I think you mentioned it in in comparing your experience in Qatar and your experience in Austin F, at Austin FC. And you 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 said that Qatar was building a building a rocket ship without any astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, that's, true. that's can, true can you expand upon that a little bit about the differences in your experience there and what you've seen here so far yeah that's the one I'm speak. I, I, I've been very lucky to be honest Landon because that's the third time I'm going to start a project from scratch uh, it happened to be like that in, in Villarreal back in 1999 uh, later in Qatar 2007 with Aspire and the QFA and, and now and 2020 here, so yeah. The the thing I I always make this joke about Qatar is because we build this uh, huge infrastructure, you know, and we we start hiring people from everywhere, and uh, we end up uh, having this system that it was too big for the number of players we have. Uh, it ended up working very well because it was very successful, and we. We, of course, had a lot of resources. But what I realize is sometimes when you have too many professionals on a system, uh, there is a point that you just add in noise, you know, and, and it's hard managing because you, 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 you tend to lose the focus on the main thing. And the, the main thing is to keep the main thing being the main thing. So... <laughs> Uh, in this case here, we've been much more organic, organically growing, you know, and I feel that uh, that's the right way to go. So we we are we are, as I said, no, a, a, a group of people very committed with a clear vision, with the dream of putting a player on a 2026 World Cup, which is something we very connected to, and uh, and I think we are. As I say, you know, we are in a in a position to make to make the difference, you know. That, and that's the dream, and that's the vision, and that's what we want to accomplish. So, how how many levels of players do y'all have right now at, at the academy? Like which which age groups? Do we have we have the uh, we ha- we have around sixty players, and uh, we have the older group is a U fifteen, so they born in. Uh, uh, 2006. Uh, then we have the the 07s, which are the U14s, and the 08s, the U13s. Plus, we have a, what we call the COE, which is a sort of uh, feeder platform. So we we are preparing for next season. Next season, we want to expand uh, with a couple of more teams. So our U15 will become U17, and we also want to create a U12 underneath a U13 we have in right now. So what we do with this platform is we we are assessing and scouting the, the local talent at this early age group. So we're going to have a year to find out and to form this new U12. So that's basically the, the way we are structured right now. Gotcha. And you said they've been in training for about a month. Do, they, do you all have a plan for when they actually start playing? competitive matches or is that all dependent upon the situation in the world right now there is a tentative calendar out there 
to begin middle of September. We hope that this will go ahead, but it's still not, not confirmed. Uh, but the idea is yes. I mean, it seems since practice is open now, of course, we're taking all, all the protocols and all the, all the measurements and we, we've been very conscious on how to operate on regards to uh, COVID-19. Uh, but it looks like there might be a room to start the competition uh, middle of September. So coming from um, from your your background in Spain, and uh, it's a, a really a really highly regarded soccer culture there. Coming to the United States and in MLS, has it been an adjustment period for you? Are there any things that that you found strange about uh, about the league that you didn't expect? Because MLS is kind of a strange league. It's got a bunch of weird rules and. Uh, th there's some very interesting things about this league. So, what what of those things has struck you since you've been here? I I've been trying to learn as fast as possible. As I mentioned before, I've been in touch with Tyson for more than a year. Uh, so, actually, I visited Austin last year on July. So, I've been trying to learn uh, what are the differences and the specifics of not only the MLS but soccer in, in general here in the States and, and the sport, the youth sports environment, which is a very unique uh, one. So uh, to me, what it was at the beginning hard to swallow was uh, all these uh, college sports and, you know, and, and the incompatibility. This is what I didn't find uh, logical to me, you know, how how do you have to choose one way or another? So that's something that, again, I'm, I'm, I'm new and I'm trying to understand better. I, I see the beauty of, of, of uh, college sports and, you know, the opportunity for people to gain scholarships and have a, a degree and, you know, and, and, and become a better citizen through this pathway. What I start, I start, still need to understand is why you cannot do both, you know, because in Europe you can go and play and study. So, and, and I, I think that could be something that uh, might benefit the, the system in the future, you know. Uh, another particularity here are distances. Distances are yes. huge. Uh, <laughs> yesterday I was checking out and, and Texas is almost the same size as Spain, the entire it's, country. I think it's slightly bigger. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know which one is bigger, but this, yeah, it's, it's like there is a fifteen percent difference on surface, and we are forty-seven million, and I think Texas is around thirty-two million population, so very similar. So I was trying to explain to my wife this these demographics last night, and and I said, imagine we are in Spain and we only have Valencia, Barcelona, and Real Madrid. So this is what is Texas like in terms of soccer you know you have three mls teams and then the rest so uh, that that's challenging in a sense and i think one of the two challenges we we face as a nation is uh, the competition piece so how would you or how can we uh, play the best against the best you know and that's what mls is trying to 
to tackle right now by forming these new leagues, by having the U17s in future playing against other MLS teams. And that will enhance and elevate the, the level of the game. You know, when you are, when you play in Spain in a U12 for, for Villarreal or for Valencia or for Barcelona, you, you play 100 games a year. And out of these 100 games, 30 are very competitive. So you play Espanol Barcelona, you play Levante, you play Atletico Madrid, all these all these teams, you know. So so that's one of the pieces of the puzzle that we need to address. And uh, and and basically this is one and the second one is the talent identification. So how could we identify players at very early stage and uh, nurture them, you know, because the more you, the more the science is, is looking at uh, the development of talent, they find out that delivery practice is a key aspect, you know. So well-structured, good teachers, good systems are making the difference. And, and the problem is you find a talented player when he's 17 and he's not been in the right environment, you have lost a lot of training opportunities you know and 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 yes you can still help him but not as the level that you would be able to help him if you, if you detect him when he was eight or seven right so that's let's say dimensions uh, is one of the things I, I one of one of the aspects that i i i feel that we are well positioned in, in central texas is the passion for the game which is something for instance we we didn't have in Qatar, you know. They didn't want to become a soccer player. Uh, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't have the desire, the hunger, the, the mindset, because they all, I mean, the, most of them were wealthy by, you know. So, so in here, I, we have the talent. I found the passion on the kids. Now we need to find the inspiration. And you've been in, you've been in, in San Sebastian. And I, I think it's a very, very appealing example, you know. So you cannot see a Barcelona or Real Madrid t-shirt down the streets in San Sebastian. Everybody wears Real Sociedad. And everybody knows somebody who is in the club or has played or has an uncle that was a former player. Yeah. So you see the players walking of, around to, around town as well because it's a small town. So you just see the players everywhere. <laughs> You see the players everywhere. You see the youngsters at the as the training facility. You know that they see the the the, the kids or the the youngers that they made it. The, the previous year were changing in the same place in the same locker room. So this sense of belonging and the the I'm feeling that the idol is close enough that I can be the next one. You know, that's the most powerful tool we can use. So we need we need to find a way to inspire these these kids we have now in the system. Talent is there, support from top to bottom is there. So now is our is our responsibility to to make them dream, you know, to allow them to dream. Yeah, I imagine having the uh, the nice new stadium will be one of those those tools to use for inspiration, as well as <laughs> the the new training center. Where, as as I understand, the youth teams will be sharing that training center with the first team, correct? That's very correct, and, and that's very true what you're saying right now. So I think that that's going to inspire them and providing this 
opportunity to see the first team, you know, and and this, as I said, you know, it's all about imagining and making making them dream to be one day the ones down on the grass, you know. So that's that's gonna make a big difference when first team start playing. You know, the, I can feel the vibes on the city. Everybody is is looking forward to it. So oh, yeah. so that that this the the concept of idol is is very powerful and we need all together and you guys have also a, a part to be played you know on creating this this idol so we we all need to be aware of that because this is is going to have a big impact on on what we're doing at the academy level on a more personal note um you've been in austin for for not a super long time when when did you come to austin <laughs> I I came with my family in February, in February. Early, uh, beginning of February. Yeah. So, how are you liking it so far? We love it. We actually came last year, as I I, I think I mentioned before. We we came last year to before to make the decision to to move and to we meet in person with Tyson and and uh, we we stay here for ten days, I believe. So going around and and trying to. Imagine how would be our lives here, no? As, a, as I have two two daughters and and a beautiful wife that follows me everywhere I go. <laughs> so uh, he's listening. That's why I try to be gentle. <laughs> so so uh, I uh, yeah we loved it from day one, and uh, actually from the, the other options we had at the time, it was always number one. And, and and again, when I ask other colleagues, uh, I have a, a friend of mine working for the national team here in the U.S., Nico Stevet, who, who was the one making the introduction to ah, me. Okay. Yeah. So and he was speaking very highly about about the people that is going to be involved in the club and about the city. So it, it was an easy decision. And we love nature. We've been 12 years. Uh, without it in in the yeah. Middle East, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, we the first the first week we were stopping by every flower, you know, <laughs> and uh, and every eagle that we saw flying on the sky. So so yeah, yeah, we we just love it. So we we think it's a right place to raise our our two daughters and and a place that we can enjoy a lot. I think there's actually a couple of Spanish restaurants in town. If you ever need any any Spanish food, I don't know how good. Actually, I've been to one of them. There's a, a Basque bar downtown, uh, All right. called Calimocho. Oh, um, that's a very appealing name. But I I went to it and I was skeptical, having lived in the Basque country. But the food is quite good. I I, I thought it was uh, okay. pretty good. So check that out if you ever need a little touch of Spain here. I will, I will, I will. No, that's that's definitely something that is in my to-do list. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we that's a good spot to end. So thank you so much for for joining us today. Um, we we really look forward to uh, to seeing what kind of work you can do here in Austin, and uh, look forward to seeing one of your academy players play in the twenty twenty six World Cup. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. Thank you guys, and as I said, that's that you you guys play a part of it as well. And I think if we all push, and we all ambition that is is going to happen. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Juan. Thank, Thank you very much.
right. We want to thank Juan Delgado again for joining us. We hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Um, there's a, an event that we wanted to pitch real quick before we sign off. So Jeremiah, take it away. Yeah. So on Wednesday, the 26th, since I never know how the time works in the podcast world, but it would be <laughs> two days from now for us, but tomorrow for everybody else, um, the Austin FC and the, uh, Austin LGBT chamber of commerce are going to have a, uh, public event, uh, at four o'clock. Uh, it's a live panel on inclusion and allyship for the L- LGBTQIA community. And so it's an interesting panel. Um, I think it's a really interesting thing for the club to dive into. So there's a member of the Austin LGBT Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors, the Black Pride, Austin Black Pride co-founder and president, um, the Black Trans Leaders of Austin, and then um, uh, somebody from Anheuser-Busch, their community connections manager. Um, so it's just, it's a really good group of people to talk about how we all come together in support and allyship of the LGBTQIA community. And so I think it's a really, uh, uh, these social issues are a good thing for the club to lean into. And I, I look forward to hearing the discussion. Yeah, relevant to to fan culture as well, right? Like, we we want the the fan culture and the stadium experience to be an inclusive and open one. And that's another thing that was talked about on the uh, the Zoom call with McConaughey is like, how do we create that culture? And he said, like, you have to start now. And like, I think that's happening, but it's um essentially like self-policing and, and kind of self-regulating that and building building a culture where that is how it works like if you're doing something that's not inclusive or or hateful towards people it, it needs to be very very clear like that's not how we do things here if you want to do that you need to go somewhere else and so yeah i, I think it's relevant to the to the fan experience so so hopefully we can um get get some good discussions out of this and and learn a few things but uh yeah join join in on that if you if you want to uh you can find an the event on facebook or if you just type in pride in the atx into google you'll find you'll find it posted in a few different places so we will be back in a couple of weeks um we don't we're working on a few different guest angles so i would like to tell you who we're going to have on but we don't know yet uh we'll have some some really interesting guests to talk to and maybe some uh some more player rumors and and who knows whatever else we're going to talk about. But uh, yeah, we'll be back then. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. Nobody is around.